0: What's been happening on Reddit and in social media and in the marketplace has never been seen before. Okay, and it tells me I'm actually shocked. I mean, here I am having followed markets for over 60 years to see this young generation of people making so much change in such a short period of time.
1: Hi everyone, before we get started I have to plug a few quick things. First of all, my book Brexit The Establishment Civil War is now available to order. You can read some chapter previews by following the link in the description below. Our sponsors ExpressVPN get 35% off 12 months of ExpressVPN and get 25% off podcast hosting with Podium. Finally, if you're watching this on YouTube, please go check out odyssey.com instead. We are hosting all our videos there. If you're a creator, you can move your videos across with one simple click and you can earn cryptocurrency simply by watching videos and use it to tip your favorite creators like myself. So please check that all out if you want to support the show. Anyway, here's the podcast. My my music is all from the the 60s. Um, So Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today, I have the absolute pleasure to be talking to Carl Hagberg, who is the head of Carl T. Hagberg & Associates and publisher of the newsletter that you were just informing me was uh, founded in 1994 called the Shareholder Service Optimizer uh, about how to get value for money from your shareholders. So, Carl, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. My pleasure no problem so uh, obviously I came across you when I saw your uh, ask me anything on Super superstunk on Reddit and I was um, just uh, enthralled at some of the stuff you were saying and, and wanted the opportunity to speak to you to myself and um, so so I'm yeah I'm really pleased that I get to do this so uh, I'm just gonna dive straight into the, the questions I prepared so we get as much time uh, as much out of the time as possible. So, uh, in another one of the Ask Me Anythings, I saw um, Wes Christensen and Dave Lahr, uh talking about numerous occasions in in history where the short interest, or the the yeah the intro short interest, or the number of shareholders that voted on uh, a company in a shareholders meeting was over a hundred percent, and some occasions that they were quoting were well over two hundred percent. What? Why has nothing been done about that yet? That seems like a huge thing that should probably be addressed.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, yes. And in the... uh... And I mentioned in my previous interview that in the around the 2007, 2008, when we had the financial crash and people were selling financial industry stocks short like crazy, the SEC did step in. They put in some temporary regulations. They passed a rule just before that that was called it's still in force. okay And it's a reg S.H.O. And it was designed to uh, make the the short interest more transparent to people and uh, so they did a few things and then when the crisis when the financial crisis hit they passed some temporary regulations for example they forbade people to sell short certain banks you know and certain financial institutions because they were putting them right into the dumper i mean some of the biggest banks in the world could have crashed because of these uh, short sellers uh, uh selling constantly shares that truly didn't even exist they just kept selling 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 into the market so they did that and then they took a breath and in 2009 i mentioned this the other day the inspector general for the sec uh, of audits did a it must be a 50 page survey and they said yes we're not monitoring these things closely we should monitor them better and uh, we should open cases and track them until they're resolved. And well, what happened? And actually, Suzanne Trimbath mentioned this in her uh, uh, um, uh, podcast too. Uh, that was a time when everybody was uh, was looking at risk in terms of the the that day's market value. So they would track the gigantic uh, items, but. The thousands and thousands of small items would somehow just get lost in the shuffle and get ignored. And so they made 11 recommendations, and the SEC only adopted one, if you could believe that. And then since then, they have been, I've written to them, my God, they must be sick of hearing from me. I keep writing to them and saying, you must fix the abuses in short selling, mainly because back then it wasn't, we weren't seeing what we've been seeing this year, okay, and the end of last year, but we were seeing overvoting, massive overvoting, and you didn't know whether the real voters were getting their votes in or fake people were getting their votes in, you know. So we've written to them numerous times. Public companies have written as well. And I guess it it wasn't such a big problem. Well, this year, of course, it's becoming a much, much bigger problem. And short selling, too, it tends to be cyclical, and it comes to go in waves. And there's actually another reason where short selling's kind of abated, and that is that a lot of the most active investors and the biggest plungers and gamblers, okay, they found a better way to make money, which was to put companies themselves into play, to take them over, to take over the board, to put the company up for sale, to uh merge with another company and so you could make more money uh taking apart companies or selling them or merging them than you could in fact which always made the price go up so it became a little a lot riskier to be a short seller when you had activist investors who were basically auctioning the whole company off you know the whole company was up for grabs there so that kind of made the short sellers go quiet relatively quiet until what we are seeing today with the so-called meme stocks you know and and uh, and so now is a different day and so this is very timely and it's time to be getting down to cases and and fixing this okay mm. so that's a long answer to a short question but that's my answer
1: No that's all right I mean this is the beauty of the format is that you can take as long as you as you like to, to, to say whatever <laughs> is required. Um, and, you, you may I, don't say that you may regret it <laughs> <laughs> no I, I doubt it don't okay. worry um, so uh, talking about the, the 11 recommendations that you you mentioned that were made um, to the SEC uh, was uh, warnings of, about uh, problems with failure to delivers and things like that um, and you said uh, that they only have one recommendation put in place and that was only temporary as far as um, I'm aware no but most of these regulations were were temporary okay
0: and and so i think your your question is about fails to deliver and the i guess the harm they do So I guess we should start with the fact that fails to deliver are just a fact of life. Every day there are fails to deliver. And Suzanne covered this, too. There could be a lot of reasons, missing a bit of information, you know, the wrong broker, the name. You deliver the wrong stock and it doesn't match the QCIP number. So sometimes most times it's a bookkeeping mistake that creates fails to deliver. And they're there every day. And as, as Suzanne described too, they check them off, they resolve them, and most of the times they get them fixed. But when they arise from naked short sales, and when the naked short sales start to pile up, so that they're not just fifty percent of the of the uh, outstanding shares, but a hundred or a hundred and fifty or two hundred percent, well, now fails to deliver are a huge problem because people have sold all of those shares. But they didn't deliver them, and so there's liability. And guess what? Where do you get the money, okay? Until you can get the shares and sell the shares and give the money back or give the shares back, you've got enormous liability. So now suddenly with what's happened late last year into this year, the fails became a gigantic problem. And so DTC, for example, quite properly went to – what's their name there, uh, 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 oh golly, uh, yeah, Robin Hood, and said, you gotta put up 150 million of collateral or something, because they had open trades that weren't settled, that were on the order of 150 million dollars worth, and maybe more. And so, so, when fails to deliver, get totally out of hand, as they did several times this year, they became tremendously risky, to the financial system as a whole, and it's actually similar to what happened with that uh, with that uh, quasi bank uh, there that lent all that money and then lost track of it all. You know, so that that that's why it's fails are a problem, and why people need to track how big that problem is, and when it starts to get into large, super large dollar values of failed deliveries, there's risk to the entire financial system because remember you can't sell something unless there's a buyer okay but unfortunately you can well but you could you can buy something when there, there's no sellers if you borrow all the stock and you create all these fictitious uh transactions okay so that's the answer to that
1: mm. no i mean the, the thing that really strikes me is that when, when you're talking about the, the failures to deliver and you're saying, OK, that could be like up to they're, they're creating uh, naked synthetic shares to to the tune of 50, 100 percent of the, the number of shares that exist in a company. And then like no one just no one produces them. So they're they're basically they're, it sounds like the biggest con in the world. And I right, can't, right. like, honestly, right. I have I have trouble trying to explain what is happening here to people, because I'll tell them exactly right. what you've told me here, right. and they, uh, maybe not quite as articulately, but they can't they can't believe it. They're like, that can't be right. Like you you you've right. misunderstood something right. there. Right. Like, why do you think this this level of of of, of fraud essentially is is accepted?
0: Well, I want to let's not go back and call it a fraud right off the bat. Okay, Uh, short selling is is currently legal. It's currently legal to sell short. And some people actually think it's a good thing. I don't agree with them, but they think that. And so so what's the problem? We need to explain to the SEC why this is so bad and how dangerous it is when it gets to heights like this. Okay, and why we need to have a stopgap a cure in place so that this won't happen okay and but but you're right it is it's hard for people to believe partly because it has it doesn't happen every day now we're in a particular period where this is happening like crazy and i think even some of the regulators are, are spooked by this and it's about time and it's not that hard to understand you know actually the I had some real estate transactions. I tried to buy land next to my house one time so I could expand my house. And it turned out that when we did the title search, the owner of the land had sold the land to five different people, all banks. And the banks gave him money, gave him a mortgage, which he never bothered to pay, by the way. okay? But they didn't do their due diligence. They didn't Realized that there was only one piece of land there, but it had been mortgaged five times. And that's sort of what that's almost precisely what's happening in this current scheme of things, because nobody is keeping track of who the real owner is, you know, and so it's like. Same thing, you couldn't sell your cow to six different people, you know, because it's a cow and it either shows up or it doesn't. But a security that you let floating around here in limbo and never you never pay the piper. That's what's happening here. And so it it is it shouldn't be that hard to understand. But here's the other thing and why it is hard to understand is the 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 regulators. A, they're willfully blind, okay? So when you try to tell them this, their eyes glaze over, their ears stop listening, they start probably singing a song to themselves to eliminate the boredom of having to listen to this, you know, and they think it's all baloney. And so they, they go, ah, this is just ridiculous. How could such a thing happen? How could you sell, if you have 100 million shares, how could you sell 250 million shares? and they think they think it's a, a made up story so some are willfully blind but the most of the regulators are the regulated if you look and you say well who's in charge of finra the financial industry regulatory association well it's the ceos and the cfo's and you know the the uh, chief accountants of all of the companies that are that are being regulated and so and the third thing of course at the end of every story there's always it's the money stupid people are making billions of dollars lending these fictitious shares over and over and over again and many of them are honest and upright people the biggest uh some of the biggest uh villains here are mutual funds they make significant amounts of money by lending shares into this market okay And 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 then never they don't want to reclaim them because they want to keep on collecting that that money they get every day. So uh, that's the real answer. It's a combination of being willfully deaf, dumb and blind, being just not wanting to internalize what a mess there is because they're not sure how to untangle it, even though it isn't all that difficult it'll be difficult for the people who are skimming off all this money but it won't be difficult for the SEC to fix it if they have a mind to so that's the the real answer okay you know there's a name they call it regulatory capture the you know the industry itself the financial industry banks brokers investment funds they basically have captured What does the SEC know? These are kids who come from law school. Eighty percent of them are kids that are a year out of law school. And what the heck do they know about anything? You know know what I mean? So it's not that hard to pull the wool over their eyes or to completely flummox them with a barrage of baloney. So that's the answer to that one.
1: Yeah. and I guess if they try and look into something, they're going to be met with the, the best team of lawyers that money can buy. Uh, as opposed to whatever the SEC has at their disposal. It's,
0: well, that's that's part of it.
1: Mm. Now you're also speaking very much to a concept called uh, financialization, um and and so yeah, financial capture of, of regulatory agencies and of government bodies, which is um, something that I, I spoke to Nicholas Shackson, the uh, the author of the Finance Curse, about. Um, so if anyone wants to like hear more about that, um, I'll put the link in the description below. Uh, so one of the reasons that I, I i asked you on was to try and get a handle on um this idea of reconciliations because this is something that, that a couple of people have discussed um around this topic so right. what happens when we get to so if we take like a fictitious company um and uh we call it fake news inc and they have got to the the, the shareholders meeting and they've realized that uh, a few weeks maybe in advance or a week in advance that 150 percent of the shares have voted and then you mentioned right. that they go into reconciliation in their dark and smoky back room what goes on in there like I because I, you know I, I can't get my head around like what happens do like do they just agree that? 50%, it's so simple yeah okay so right. please <laughs> it's so simple they do as they choose they they
0: cast votes out and they take them out and they lower their vote until they are not going over 100 anymore. Okay. And, uh, and so, oh, we we prove again, we have a million shares, we voted a million, because I took back an extra million, you know, but we don't know who they took them from, or whether they were the right people to take them from. And uh, in many cases, they're taking them from the wrong people. They're taking them from uh, individual investors who have accounts, who paid cash for their shares, okay? And then they're giving the votes and the credit to people who've loaned their shares out. And so we don't know, and no one knows what to do in that dark room. I've been in some of those dark rooms, and some people would say, well, we're going to take out all of the latest votes cast. We'll take, we'll just start subtracting today's, yesterday's, day before yesterday's, until we get under 100. Well, these are the people who legally... Are the most entitled to vote. It's the last vote you cast that counts, okay? Not the first one. Some people will vote a month or earlier, and then they'll change their mind and vote again and again. But it's only the last vote you you count that uh, you ca- cast that counts. So some of them are doing this completely backwards. Most are doing it in a totally arbitrary manner, you know, and they are just casting out uh, names. And voting positions, and they go, oh, here's you know, I don't know, uh, uh, some little bank in Switzerland. Who knows them? What are they? They don't even know whether they voted or not. But we'll throw them out. So we don't know what they're doing, really, and it's totally arbitrary. And the other thing is that the rules are not entirely clear, okay? Because the the rules of stock ownership and voting, they all go back to the days when securities were physical items, okay? And I talked in my beginning days in the uh, the paperwork crisis on Wall Street, and the debits always had to equal the credits. And if they didn't, you worked until they did. Well, the debits don't equal the credits anymore. Once stocks have been dematerialized, so you've got these these uh, we call them phantom shares floating around. Who knows where they are? Who knows who owns them? Where's the real underlying share? Where is that lodged, okay? No one even knows. So unfortunately, yes, it takes place in, in, uh, in a dark room, in a totally arbitrary manner. And the, the, there are clarifications that need to be made to make it clear who has the right to vote shares, okay? And once you're the legal owner, Guess what? Some of the folks from from the uh, from the Europe, okay, who were involved in GameStop and AMC, their brokers telling them, "Oh no, you don't get a right to vote." They're saying, "Well, where's my proxy? I want to vote my proxy." No, you don't get that. You have a margin account, and I think some of these people were intentionally setting these up as margin accounts. They may have made disclosure, but some of them probably did not. And they arbitrarily decided, oh, you're in a margin account. You're, you don't get a vote. This is ridiculous. You put money on the barrelhead for 100 shares of stock. You're expecting to get 100 votes. OK, not to hear, oh, you have a margin account and you get nothing. Oh, and by the way, I lent the shares to somebody else and I made money, but I didn't share any of that with you. So take a walk. So those are some of the problems that need to be addressed in this uh in this new era, yeah. I hope.
1: No, that's there's something funny, because there's something I was actually discussing with my, my best friend like a few hours ago, because I asked him, have he voted yet? Because I have my, my shares split across eToro and Stake, which are two platforms you can use in the UK, and he is on Trading212, but Trading212 have not um, allowed the votes yet from GameStop holders, so uh, he was like telling me that there's a lot of pressure, but um, and it seems it just seems like a ridiculous thing. Like, if my broker can do it, why can't his? Right. I wanted to ask. If-
0: right, and you know what? Here's here's another thing on, on this. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt, but some of these uh, throughout Europe and the UK. Many people don't bother to vote at all. Okay, the shareholders themselves don't get this material, so they don't even know there is a vote going on in many cases. Okay, unless it's a famous uh, event. So they don't even know this. But meanwhile, their custodian bank, the clearing company or the custodian bank where the shares are kept, they it's too expensive to them to. To participate in the voting system, you need to have an account at Depository Trust Company in New York if you're a a, a U.S. listed stock. And so and that's expensive. And they say, well, I don't have that many trades. I don't have that many customers. So some have a chain of banks. They call them correspondent banks. And so sometimes they can they can vote. But typically until two or three years ago, we almost never, ever, ever saw a foreign bank or custodial institution cast any votes in a US election okay, okay? unless of course it was a Fortune 500 company mm-hmm. and a lot of shares so uh, that infrastructure we think our pro- proxy plumbing is broken over here in the US oh in the UK and Europe it, it when it comes to voting it's there's no plumbing at all there's like a giant <laughs> clog
1: you know uh well i mean london is uh, quite famously the the world center of Financial corruption and money laundering and um, just not, not a lot of particularly. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, the Russians are are, are laundering potentially hundreds oh, of millions of through there. Yes, what?
0: by the way, that's another one of the biggest scandals that ever happened in the world of finance. And I must say this was largely covered up by the SEC, but billions, hundreds of billions of dollars of, of uh, Russian money was laundered using ADRs, these horrible old American depository receipts, and they would move them from one country to another and then they'd end up in Cyprus and suddenly they'd be turned into, a, into cash or a condo somewhere. You could guess where too, it was one of the favorite spots to have your condo, but hundreds of billions of dollars were laundered through securities markets and clearing companies. Again, willfully blind, Turning a blind eye to where all these shares were going. Okay, so that's another program, though.
1: Yeah, um, but I mean, there's there's so many examples of, of 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 situations like this. Maybe not with ones with quite the size of money flowing around, but uh, you could. like Every major bank or institution has been involved in in some kind of level of either law breaking or questionable practices that have, have made them a lot of money right. and. And they they've kind of, of just got away with it for the whole of human history because right. of the amount of money. And right. Right. this situation is right. actually finally bringing some light to it. And I, I don't know what's going to happen, right. but we'll, we'll see. Um, right, right.
0: Right. This is relatively minor compared to some of the other uh, the money laundering, especially this is like a little bagatelle, you know, uh, and it only came to light because of the of the GameStop and uh, AMC uh, trades and and, uh, and and Hertz and, you know, and and it, it, to put it in perspective, it's a, it's scandalous. It needs to be fixed, but it's actually relatively minor in the scheme of things. Because a lot of people think, oh, my votes don't have any value anyway, but they're, they're wrong, of course. But it's, it's not it's there's no comparison between what happened in the world of money laundering and what's happening in the world in the world of vote laundering. OK, vote washing, we'll call it. All right.
1: So is there a rule that says that there must only be 100 percent of the shares voted? That, that, that is there a, or, or is it just sort of a red flag for a company or is there a specific reason that they go into reconciliation and say we have to have 100 or 100 le- or less
0: well in, in other words every position okay see here's the thing in the aggregate sometimes uh, sometimes 100 percent of the shares are not voted but still uh, there are people who aren't entitled to vote who did and people who weren't entitled to uh, who are entitled who didn't but so each it never gets discovered until each particular entity that is the custodian for the shares goes over a hundred. Then they go into the dark room and fix so they're under a hundred. Okay, and but in the in the high days in the in the uh, nineteen uh, um, uh, what what decade am I looking for here uh, in the nineteen uh, arts? So or I call them the naughties The uh, the uh, the. Uh, 19, what am I saying? In any event, yeah, the the late 1900s, let's say. The, uh, where was I going with this? Um, People were going way, way, way over 100. They would go to their meeting, their annual meeting, and they would get the report because they hired somebody to count up the votes, and that person would tell them, oh, we have 200 million votes. And they said, well, I only have 50 million shares, how could this be? So back, they would have to go to the dark room to start crossing things out until they could get down to the 50 million, okay? So, uh, but it doesn't happen that often because normally only, you know, if 80% of the people vote, it's a lot. And it only gets that high because institutions here, um, institutional investors are required by law to cast votes because the department of labor said your votes have value and you must cast your votes so big investors always cast the votes little investors often don't cast their votes so it's rare that people do actually go over a hundred okay so that's that one
1: so the, the the thing i'm really curious about is is sort of what happens now when we get to Next week and we have the GameStop uh, shareholders meeting, and they, for example, say it's just 120% of the float is uh as voted. Is there a historical precedent for the shareholders revolting if some of the votes try to be like cancelled out? Or I I like I don't know what the mechanism is. So say you're a shareholder yeah. and you have heard that your right. vote hasn't been counted because it's been struck off for Whatever reason has been right. crossed out right. in the dark room. Like, what right. what reconciliation do shareholders have if they find this out, or do they ever even find it out?
0: They never find it out because it gets fixed before the meeting convenes. Okay you can't really have a meeting and say that you have 110% of the shares voted. Okay. You, you're lucky if you can say you have 80% or 79%. So yes, I mean, and that's another reason why this problem doesn't get the attention it probably deserves. It's hiding in the background and it gets, the, the votes get washed before the meeting convenes. Okay. So, uh, once people were wise to this, uh, you know, and most people are usually using professional tabulators, so they're not going to send in their vote that that's 10 percent over what they're entitled to vote. They fix it. They go back to their clients and say, there are some mistakes here. Give, give, fix it. And then the client comes back with a, a better answer. OK. But we don't know whether it's how they got to that answer, you know, but it's, as long as you didn't go over 100, you pass the test.
1: So one of the things that people have spoken about as a way that, that there could be, I don't know, some sort of way to combat or counter this idea of 100% or more of the shares being voted is if they issued a dividend um, to shareholders. And that would be one way of attempting to kind of call the bluff in, in a way. like what's like is that is that something that's real or or how powerful can that possibly be and um, what's the deal yeah, with that basically it's it's
0: wishful thinking okay because many companies who pay dividends get in the same bind with the systems that keep track of the dividends are pretty good ones. They are the debits and credits match. you know If you think you're getting a $100,000 dividend check in the mail, you don't want to be getting an $80,000 one. So those systems are pretty good, you know They're quite good. But they're different than the systems that are used for voting and that's the problem that's the proxy plumbing issue we have pretty good plumbing we have excellent plumbing when it takes pushing money through the system but when it takes pushing votes through the system no we got a lot of smelly uh, clogs and log jams and things like that and so no pay just declaring a dividend is not going to solve it and i know you had asked about Paying in cryptocurrency—that's not going to solve it either. And and guess what? Uh, me personally, I say I want to see the credit in my brokerage account. I uh, you know, or better yet, uh, send me a check so I can run to the bank and cash it and spend it. So, no cryptocurrency, unfortunately, isn't the isn't going to solve the problem
1: either. Mm. Okay? I mean the the proposal from some people had discussed the idea it wasn't specifically like a cryptocurrency dividend, it was what's known as an NFT which is a non-fungible token which is right. basically a certificate, a digital certificate that cannot be replicated and the theory went yes. that if they could make exactly 100% of the shares worth of these for all of the individual shares that then when they gave them out and some people didn't get them, it would expose the fact that there was more shares in existence than should exist. Uh, But you're you're skeptical. No, it won't happen. No, okay, It it won't happen.
0: People who are entitled to get dividends will always be getting them. Okay, but this is the problem. Uh, There you prove to the outstanding shares, to the penny, and you pay people exactly the number of shares multiplied by the rate, and that's how much money you pay out. But the voting system is a different system and as we know it there's nobody is keeping track okay if i lend my shares to you and you lend them to john doe and john doe lends them to mary smith okay and nobody has ever tendered any of those shares and transferred them there's four or five quote sets of shares out there that aren't written down nobody's written down who loan what to whom and on what day mm. so it's it's a mess it's a total mess
1: so one of the things you discussed there is that earlier is that there is there is quite a lot of things that the sec could do in order to prevent situations like this arising to stop the the the, the proliferation of native yeah. short selling and and basically to to combat all of the things that we're seeing with With gamestop and we have been seeing with with loads of other stocks since like eagle tech and overstock and all the other companies that have suffered because of these practices what do you think would be the cost of of actually enforcing those regulations because part of me feels like if you were to suddenly go into wall street and go hey boys everything's going to be totally transparent and we're going to know exactly what's happening and uh, we're going to make it a 100% free and fair open market. I feel like that might cause an economic crash. That's just... No, no, it wouldn't. No, it
0: wouldn't.
1: No, I would be, I would be more fearful of a crash
0: if people were to lose confidence in the uh, the... Integrity of the systems themselves. Okay, as I say, if you don't get, if we weren't getting our money, then people would be up in arms. But if it's only votes, people go, oh well, what the heck? I wasn't too. That's not such a big deal. So no, it's not. It's not going to be like that. But they can fix this with really, basically, the stroke of a pen. They do need greater transparency. One of the things that the SEC did way back when was to say you need to disclose your your uh short interest, you know, your open short interest. And then we need to report it and somebody needs to monitor it and say, wait, it's too high. You need to reconcile here, you need to straighten this out. But there's there there's no real mechanism, there's no enforcement of that, okay? So it would be easy to it's easy to know how much the open short interest is, okay. Every broker knows whether they owe something or somebody owes them something, but they don't make it easily easy to find out. But it is easy to find out. okay? And then all you really need to do. And my understanding is that this is what they are either doing or planning to do in the UK. And that is that after five days, you must close out any open short positions that you have by delivering the shares. If you don't have them, you got to go into the market and buy them. If you don't, uh, if you delay, the clearing corp will go into the market, buy the shares, and debit your account for the cash. Okay, and problem solved. And going back to what I said at the very beginning, fails to deliver are part of a normal. That's part of a normal background noise, and so you can make allowances for the dollar amount or the percentage of the outstanding you say well if the open short interest is a 10 15% of the outstanding well the sky isn't necessarily going to fall in on us but if it's 100% 150% yes the sky can and will fall in on you okay if if bad things happen so that's all you really need to do is to have a rule that says after 5 days if your short interest is more than 5% of the outstanding or uh, five percent of the dollars worth outstanding you will either buy in or we will we the clearing house will buy you in and debit your account for the cash Mm. okay Mm. and so it's not that complicated
1: Mm. that sounds like a really positive move actually i had not heard that that was going to happen in the uk um i will definitely look at that because they're normally incredibly resistant in in the uk to any sort of regulation of of uh of finance, Uh, especially post Brexit, that's meant to be like our selling point that we're going to be a slightly deregulated market off the coast of Europe. Um, So what other things, uh, you mentioned that there's there's a number of things that we could do to to stop this situation arising. So one of them was to disclose the short interest, another one would be to um, force uh, hedge funds to cover their short positions in certain circumstances. Uh, Is there could you give a few more examples of things that could be done?
0: Well, I think the thing that needs to be done and that we're starting to do here using social media is to use the power of people who know who who understand this. okay, and who have figured it out to make some noise and uh, and persist with the, the regulatory Bodies and and as I said uh, during the last uh, session, I had I'm quite impressed with uh, Gary Gensler. He's a very smart guy. I think he's a has a very very high integrity, and he is a person who has a history of of wading into these mucky uh, plumbing issues and straightening them out and replumbing them and cleaning them up. But on top of that. I I guess this is probably where I would spend the last few minutes of my time. What's been happening on Reddit and in social media and in the marketplace has never been seen before, okay? And it tells me, I'm actually shocked. I mean, here I am having followed markets for over 60 years to see this young generation of people making so much change in such a short period of time. And I've been—I made my little list as to why this is, you know, and uh, and 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 part of it is that you have a new generation of younger, better educated, pretty financially literate and, and numerate, literate, the numbers literate people who can see what's going on, you know, and then of course, so so they 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 get it. And they're fans of what they're doing. This is the other thing. If we looked at what's the common thing that happened with GameStop and uh, AMC and Hertz, they're fans of the company. They want to see the company do well. And so they're banding together to say, hey, this isn't right. We're putting our money behind you. The other really fascinating thing to me is... My kids, my grandkids, teach me because I was sometimes referring them as gamesters, but they're gamers, okay. A lot of the people here are gamers, and lo and behold, because they were smart and they know how to play games, they beat the short sellers at their own game. They beat the pants off the short sellers. A relatively small band of savvy people, okay. I just yesterday, the 28th of um, of uh, May. Uh, It was an article in the Wall Street Journal, and it said that so far this year, short sellers have lost nine billion dollars just in GameStop, AMC and Hertz alone. Nine billion dollars, my friend. That's you need to pay attention. okay? and the short sellers, by the way, are not very good gamers their game is usually bullying you know it's moving into the market spreading rumors pushing your money around borrowing and reborrowing their game is really not a terribly clever game okay so here a band of maybe a 200,000 at most okay gamers put their money together and use social media a 9 billion dollar loss uh is quite a spanking if you are a a typical short seller. OK, and and so, as I say, beaten by relative newcomers to the market who simply outgamed them, you know, so I am quite impressed. Uh, and it's funny, uh, Su- Su- Suzette Trimbath was talking about a pitchfork army, okay? And it is like a pitchfork army, but a, a peaceable one. They're coming with pitchforks to muck-, muck out the stalls of Congress, you know, and the SEC and say, we got to clean up all of this manure here and-, and-, and clean house and get some decent plumbing in here. And so, yeah, it's like a pitchfork army of people. The- someone else has been, reco- a lot of people have been uh, referring to these people as vigilant investors I like that too. You know, because they're vigilant, they're paying attention, and they're not running away and hiding when you know a couple of blowhard billionaires uh, blow back at them. So, in, in any event, I feel pretty optimistic that uh, it. It's long past time for a change. And I think this new generation of people, and the other thing is that they're interested in voting outcomes. You know, for the past 50 years, individual investors have not been terribly concerned about typical proxy matters, you know, and most of them were dull, oh, to reappoint the auditors, oh, reappoint the directors oh no, you didn't have any information to make a decision, but now we're talking about social and environmental issues, and so people are saying, "Hey, voting is important here. we have a we have a climate crisis, you know we have an existential crisis with climate, and people are trying to vote against climate change uh, uh, mediation, you know remediation. So it's different the The importance of voting has gone up a great deal in just the past year or year and a half so i think that's where i come out uh, my hats off to the gamesters or the gamers or the vigilante investors and i, I guess i've always been uh, a bit like that myself but i do want to say people do need ca- to exercise caution so far the gamers have been pretty good at this i mean many of many of these uh, stock prices have are So far in excess of their extrinsic value or their int- intrinsic value, I should say, that it's going to fall. OK, so if you're a gamer, you say, well, let me f- make sure that I find the right moment, you know, that I hit the sell button before I uh, start get- getting into the red here. So there is an element of gambling and of speculation. And so people who want to be and it's not investing. So people who want to be investors need to think like investors. You know, you you have to say, yes, I got my game hat on today and I got my earphones, I got my microphone, I'm ready to rumble and I got my trading app. But you've got to say, hmm, I got to also have my investor hat on here where I'm looking and I say, what could this business possibly be worth? Okay, whether it's movie theaters or games or car rentals or whatever and you can usually come at a reasonable answer for that you know and you can have your wildly optimistic scenario and your moderate one on your worst case scenario that's what people need to do so they need while yes they want to be um nimble and quick they also need to think like investors and and uh but uh, you still think think of this because it is something of a game I, uh, for yeah,
1: sure. i love your analogy so that's it. there that, you, that it's a game and it's all gamers playing this game that's 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 beautifully put i've been trying to find a way to put that in the book that i'm currently writing so i'm 100 percent stealing that um but i quote you so don't worry yeah. um <laughs> okay. and and it's okay. it's so beautifully positive like i can't stop smiling when you're saying these things because it's it's because i don't know i spent a long time thinking not that much of my generation um i thought we were all lazy we didn't really do much but i don't know the last six months have proven to me that we're capable of doing quite a lot when we actually care about something um It's,
0: it's, it's amazing it's amazing and and it and social media is really the key to this. I mean, you know, how could you organize? Look at how many people you can organize in, in podcasts like this, you know. And then there's chatting back and forth and debate. And so it's uh, uh, this would have been impossible before. You know, the old annual meeting you had to get in your horse and carriage and drive to mm-hmm. Delaware, you know, and nobody came. And so it's a different uh, it's definitely a, a different day today and and i have to say i'm really in awe of what has been done in just the past 16 18 months uh, and uh, it's not going to go away i think now the, the vigilante investors uh, they're not going to go away so
1: anyway yeah. that's it yeah i mean the someone someone said the other day on on i think it was uh, one of the reddit threads i was reading they said that uh, the gamers always try to go for the high score, um, <laughs> so uh, like yeah, everyone yes. be be a little careful. But do you have time for one yes. one more quick question here, Carl? Sure. Lovely. Um, so the the last thing I wanted to see um, to ask was whether you see some some genuine reform coming out of this uh, beyond? I know we've seen some uh, SEC, DTCC like regulations put in place, but. Do you see like major root and branch reform coming from this of the financial system? Maybe like a few little regulations around short selling. Like what do you see coming of this whole saga?
0: Well, you know, let's be let's be clear. Most of our financial system is in wonderful shape. OK. And in fact, this is this is an important thing. I was actually going to start out by giving you a little bit about my history and my background. But if you look For my entire lifetime uh, for the past 50 60 years stocks have returned more money it's been the best investment known to man except maybe for baseball cards collectible baseball cards you know and uh, so the total return from the stock market it's just been an engine of tremendous wealth and it works by and large it's worked well so we need to keep this all in perspective. You know what I mean? So I, I'm happy to see the young right now, a year ago in the U.S., individual ownership of individual stocks was at its lowest point in like 60 years. OK. Really? And um, yeah. And now last year, I think there's something like maybe 10 or 15 million individual investors came into the stock market. And many of them did so not through mutual funds or iShares or ADRs, but by buying stocks in companies that they know, they like, they understand the product. It's the most basic. This is like the Warren Buffett principle of investing: buy companies that you know, that you like, where you trust the management. So I feel extremely optimistic about this. I think the economy is going in the right direction. I think people are rightly looking at stocks as an engine of wealth, okay? And uh, there's another issue here, too, by the way, that most of this enormous wealth that's been created by the stock market has gone to the 1%, okay? To the chairman, the chief executive, the chief operating officer, and they collect all the dividends. They collect all the stock price appreciation. Individuals were sitting on the sidelines with empty pockets. So I'm happy to have to see individual investors coming back into the market and as long as they keep their heads about them you know as i say participating in one of the most the longest running and most productive stock markets ever just don't make the mistake that individuals always tend to do you know they always tend to keep their losers and sell their winners they always tend to buy high and sell low they never like to admit that they made a mistake you really you know stocks don't know you own them they don't know and they don't care if you love them or not they are subject to market forces so you have to pay attention and the other thing i would say at the very end i say this to everybody when it comes to investing i tried in my first uh, outing here to try to make things simple and to you know tell you focus on uh and think as an investor my favorite expression is trees do not grow to the moon okay and so when you see stocks going higher 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 you gotta say wait 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 you know i'm sure you know i saw these three stocks i think they went up 1400 percent in the past maybe a year okay the past 12 months well that's you know, it's too good to be true. So you need to be putting your head into the game as well and remembering that, no, trees do not go to the moon. And, you know, the higher you go, the further you have to fall. So, you know, sometimes it, t- it makes sense to take some of your profits and uh, and uh, and uh, and move on to a different kind of investment, you know. So anyway, that's it. I end up being very optimistic about all this. And I'm happy to see this new generation of people um, getting into the stock market, getting involved, getting engaged, and
1: becoming activist investors, which is good. So that's it. Well, your is your positivity is truly infectious. It, uh, the yeah, it's a it's a wonderful and exciting time to be alive. So, uh, Carl, I want to say thank you so much for your time. Everybody check out uh, Carl's uh, newsletter, his website, the AMA he did with r slash SuperStonk. I will put links for everything and anything else we discussed in the description below. So, uh, yeah, Carl, thanks. uh, Thanks very much.
0: It was great fun talking with you and be well and keep
1: it up. Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, follow me on Twitter or sign up to our mailing list. Thanks a lot to our sponsor, ExpressVPN, the number one most trusted VPN. Get lightning fast connectivity with servers in 160 locations across 94 countries. Keep your browsing privacy safe with ExpressVPN and get a 35% discount on 12 months of ExpressVPN when you follow the link in the description below. Don't forget my book is now out and available to order on Amazon and on bookshop.org. That's Brexit, The Establishment Civil War, And most importantly, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.